Alright everyone, welcome to Trips Tennis Talk, the amateur podcast about professional tennis. Thanks for finding and downloading. And we're starting in the middle of the action here with episode 7 of the Netflix docuseries Breakpoint. We'll get to all that stuff in a second. Let's listen to what's going on here first. So the last episode, episode 6, ended with the Sitspass Kyrgios Wimbledon match tied at one set apiece, and now we're going to find out what happened. So let's find out. There is definitely a lot to get into with this. Sitspass put out a statement in the last couple of days ahead of Wimbledon 2023. We will get to reading that statement at some point in this episode. That is my goal. Alright, we're into the third set right here. As you can hear, the crowd is definitely into it. It's definitely happy hour time, 7.49 p.m. in London. Nick is going for the underarm serve and Sitsipas is starting to lose it. Nick is working his magical mental web. It was too much for me. All that anger built up so much. Sitspass says he was very angry. Yes, he was. <laughs> Kyrgios gets a net cord winner. Takes a little bow to the audience. Nick gets a little scoop volley. Hits it inside the uh, service box for the winner. Yeah, Nick is now exhorting the crowd to stand up. Sits a pass serving at 5-6 in the 4th right here. Now into the breaker it looks like. The 4th set breaker. 3 hours and 16 minutes on the clock. Now we get the slow motion shot of Kyrgios hitting the ball. Sets a pass, tries to chase down the drop shot, he can't handle it. Nick Kyrgios is the winner. And he is a very happy boy. His dad is whistling with his fingers in his mouth. Sets a pass, looks at him for less than a second. Brief handshake. Unfortunately, it got ruined and turned into a silly circus show. I'm very sad as well that it escalated yeah. that way. And I ended up getting angry. Sitsipas calling it a circus show. He's upset that he was getting angry. Kyrgios puts his finger to his ear as he's walking off the court. <laughs> yeah. I should pull that up. Yeah, this is definitely one that I should read. Yeah, and I'll get fined for that. Why would I need to apologize? I'm getting fined for it. <laughs> When the loser is saying that your opponent is a bully, that means that your opponent successfully deployed their mental game. I suppose now would be the time to read some of this stuff. We're seeing some tweets on the screen now. Kyrgios is a complete jerk. Let's get into that now. 
So, let's do the press conferences from the day of. So I'm going to diverge a little bit. I'm going to read these here. Let's see. So this is what Sitsipas said. Hang on one moment. This is what Sitsipas said directly after the match on July 2nd, 2022. Question. Do you think Nick goes over the line with his behavior on the court? Stefano Sitsipas says, I like what his tennis has to bring to our sport. Like, he's very different. That's not a bad thing. But I don't think there has been a single match I have played with him that he was behaving that way. There comes a point where you really get tired of it, let's say. The constant talking, the constant complaining. I mean, I'm about to serve, and there is a big gap there that n there is no tennis being played, which is the most important thing in the court. We are there to play tennis. We are not there to have conversations and dialogues with other people, especially when you really know that the referee is not going to overrule what he decided, you know. It's just frustrating to see that people just get away with that. It's frustrating. Question. He said that after the match that he loved you and has such respect for you, but he also during the match said that you should be defaulted for hitting a ball. What did you make of that specific complaint? Answer. Look, I have to say it was really bad from my side. I have never done that before, throwing the ball outside the court in that way. I did apologize to the people. I don't know what went through my head at that time. I think also he's part, you know, with all the circus show going on on the other side of the net. It started to become very tiring in a way. You know, it's just like, that happened. I didn't hit any people. It did hit the wall, thank God. For sure I'm never doing that again. It's my responsibility, for sure. But there was also something that created that behavior that I'm not used to see myself. Question. For years we have heard these complaints from other players, not just yourself, about playing Nick. Do you think there comes a point when the players themselves, that you in the locker room have to make a stand about this behavior? Because it's clear that officials are not really doing anything. Sets passes answer. I wish we could all come together and put a rule in place. I don't know. Something about talking. Why would you be talking while you're playing? It makes no sense. You are out there to do your job. Tennis is the most important thing that we are doing out there. Every single point that I played today, I feel like there was something going on on the other side of the net. I'm not trying to be distracted by that because I know it might be intentional, because for sure he can play other way. And that's his way of manipulating the opponent and making you feel distracted in a way. There is no other player that does this. There is no other player that is so upset and frustrated all the time with something. It triggers it so easy and so fast. I really hope all us players can come up with something and make this a cleaner version of our sport. Have this kind of behavior not accepted, not allowed, not tolerated, and move on better. And I think that will do it for Sitzpass's comments. There's more here, but that's the gist of it. And going back to 
Curios's uh, comments from that day after the match, July 2nd, 2022. Let's get some Curios thoughts. Question to Curios. Stefano Sitsipas was just in here, and I'm going to quote to you what he said. He said that it's constant bullying. He was probably a bully at school. I don't like bullies. He has a very evil side to him. That's what he said. Curios responds with this. Curios responds with this. I don't know what to say. I'm not sure how I bullied him. He was the one hitting balls at me. He was the one that hit a spectator. He was the one that smacked it out of the stadium. I didn't do anything. I was actually like, apart from me just going back and forth to the umpire for a bit, I did nothing towards Stefanos today that was disrespectful, I don't think. I was not drilling him with balls. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Like, what do you think? Question. I mean, he went as far as saying that he thinks some of the players should get together and talk about you or talk to you and try to deal with what you are bringing onto the court. Curios says, well, I would be pretty upset if I lost to someone two weeks in a row as well. Maybe he should figure out how to beat me a couple more times first and then get to that. This is me, Trip, interjecting here. I completely agree with that sentiment. Question. When you were going back and forth with the umpire and you see any opponent is getting upset, is it at all tactical? Are you just trying to say your piece and it keeps coming? Is it emotional or tactical? Kyrgios says, When I played Filip Krajanovic, he didn't hit a ball at a spectator. He didn't hit a spectator. So I really don't have much to talk about. I was just wondering why he was still on the court. Because I know if the roles had been reversed, I would have been pulled off that court and defaulted for sure. I was just wondering what was going on. Then they ask him a couple questions about Alex Damon R. <laughs> okay, question. Generally, players don't get defaulted for hitting the ball into the crowd. Do you think that should change? Nick Curios. So you don't think hitting a spectator in the head with a ball warrants a default? No, I'm just, no, but today, but today, do you not think that warrants a default? I don't think it actually hit a spectator. It hit a spectator. Yeah, it did. I've seen the video. Okay, but I can't remember anybody being defaulted for hitting a ball into the crowd. Djokovic? No, but he hit a line judge. So what, I can just smack balls into spectators and hit spectators and not get defaulted is what you're saying? What I'm saying is, should that be an automatic default? Well, what do you think? So you think I, sh I could just peg balls into the crowd and not get defaulted? I'm saying, well, you just answered your own question. You obviously don't agree with the rule. You think they should get defaulted then? I do, actually, yes. There you go. He did it. If you hit a ball recklessly into the crowd, yeah, he did it. You should get defaulted. That's great. Why was he still on the court? I'm saying generally players don't get defaulted. Generally means okay. That doesn't mean it still can't happen, though. Do you not think it was warranted today? He picked up the ball and smacked it into the crowd, hit someone in the head off the wall? Absolutely, yeah. There you go. Next question. We did it. Obviously, you both received code violations throughout the match today. Stefanos for hitting. We just really need to stop putting us on the same level of behavior today. That's kind of the question. He apologized for that. He was pretty profuse about it in his press conference. Does that make it okay? 
I have apologized and I've been hit with massive fines. Okay, so this is Trip again. Skipping forward again here. I think that kind of gets through it here. I got one more question. Yeah, if you think that everyone is against you. Great question there, by the way. Nick Kyrgios. I don't really care. They have to watch me play fourth round of Wimbledon. Got a pretty nice paycheck this week as well. So I don't really care about what they think and what they are going to comment on my interview or anything like that. I just go about my stuff. I'll be confident. I'm going to prepare and keep playing the way I know how to play. And it wasn't an, an easy shot. I hit a good serve. Okay. Alright. Very good. So that, those were the curious comments. And comments made from this show, this Netflix show here, they've been getting traction this week as we're taping this. Taping this commentary track on June 24th, 2023. And Kyrgios, rather, Sitsipas has made some comments about Kyrgios that have been construed as racist. Sitsipas basically equated Kyrgios' approach with the basketball approach, and he basically said that was a less desirable form of culture than the tennis culture. And in the last day or so, Sitsipas has put out a social media post. Um, uh, it's amazing the tentacles this match had a year later that we're still talking about it. And it's been kind of dredged up to be back in the news cycle because of these new Netflix episodes here. Anyway, here is what the Sitsipas statement reads from 2023. I hope this message finds you well. Today, I want to address a matter that has been weighing heavily on my heart, an unfortunate misunderstanding that has a distorted picture of my intentions. It has come to my attention that some individuals have misinterpreted my comments regarding Nick Kyrgios, labeling him as uneducated, and accusing him of bringing a basketball mentality into tennis, insinuating racism where none exists. Let me take this opportunity to provide clarity and rectify any misconceptions that may have arisen. Firstly, I want to emphasize that I harbor no prejudice towards anyone based on their background, ethnicity, or interests. I deeply regret if my words were misinterpreted or caused offense, as that was never my intention. It is true that I love the game of basketball and have been a devoted fan for years. The excitement, skill, and competitiveness of the sport have always resonated with me. However, my admiration for basketball should not be misconstrued as a dismissal or belittlement of other sports, including tennis. Each sport carries its own unique beauty, and I hold immense respect for the dedication and talent displayed by athletes across various disciplines, including tennis. My previous remarks regarding Nick Kyrgios were not meant to undermine his intelligence or abilities. Instead, I simply intended to express my perspective on certain aspects of his playing style, drawing comparisons to the passion and intensity often associated with, often associated with basketball. 
It was an attempt to highlight the dynamic and captivating nature of his approach to the game, not a criticism of his character or capabilities. I want to open up to you about a part of my life that has left an indelible mark on my journey, a time that brought me face to face with fear, adversity, and personal growth. In 2010, as a white Caucasian kid growing up in Greece, I found myself entangled in the clutches of the Greek economic crisis, a period that forever changed my perspective on the world and the resilience within myself. <sighs> the economic turmoil that gripped my beloved country was accompanied by an insidious phenomenon, the one of nation labeling. People began to judge and categorize individuals based solely on their Greek nationality, ascribing blame and making sweeping generalizations about an entire population. In the eyes of the world, we were reduced to mere stereotypes, shouldering the burden of a nation's struggles, regardless of our individual circumstances or contributions. What truly scarred me, though, was the racism that emerged from this nation labeling. As a young person trying to make sense of the world and my place in it, I experienced firsthand the string of prejudice and discrimination. Suddenly, I became the target of hurtful words, exclusion, and judgment simply because of my Greek heritage. The relationships I had cherished changed overnight, leaving me feeling isolated and disheartened. <sighs> Still going here. This is Sitsipas' statement. As I confronted the harsh realities of racism, I vowed to rise above it, to prove that my worth and identity were not defined by the economic circumstances of my country. I made a conscious choice to erase the lingering bitterness from those years and embrace the lessons they had taught me. They taught me empathy and how important it is to see beyond labels and understand the complex realities that shape individuals. I deeply regret any hurt or offense my words may have caused. It is essential to remember that we all have different viewpoints and interpretations, and it is through open dialogue and understanding that we can bridge gaps and foster genuine connections. Moving forward, I commit to being more mindful of my words and the impact they may have. I firmly believe in promoting inclusivity and celebrating diversity. It is my hope that we can engage in respectful conversations that allow for differing opinions while maintaining empathy and respect for one another. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to clarify my stance and intentions. Your understanding and support mean a great deal to me. Let us continue to cherish our shared love for sports, celebrating the beauty and passion they bring to our lives. And that is the end of Sitsipas' social media post from the last couple of days. Phew, that was a lot. Yeah, now, you know, let's get into my reaction here. As a statement go, it's a nice statement. The statement kind of goes above and beyond if you were going to take it at face value. Nevertheless, it is just a social media post. And especially in today's climate, that's not enough. You have to speak through your actions. And even in the statement here, in the second paragraph of the statement, if you're a white guy pulling the I'm not racist card in the second paragraph of a three-page 
or of a three screenshot statement saying how much of a racist that you're not, you're losing that argument rhetorically and um, intellectually. You're losing that argument. Um, and he does not apologize. He does not address Kyrios directly in this statement. Um, and it's kind of a yikes moment when in your written statement you're pivoting from you know, you're doing a kind of pro forma uh, apology to Nick Kyrgios and to, I apologize to anyone that may have been offended. It's got that kind of vibe to me. And then he pivots to, actually, me as the white guy, I'm the one that's being persecuted here. People are being racist against me. Um, yeah, it's not a great look. It, there is, I would imagine that, that there is some truth in what Sitsipas says. You know, I'm definitely not the most qualified guy to talk about this by any means, but I do believe it's accurate based on, based on what I've seen in the past that um, ethnic Greeks are not white. At least the traditional image of an ethnic Greek is not a white person. Um, think about a guy like Marcos Bagdatis. Um, he's kind of the image I've got in my head for that. And Tsitsipas does not look like Marcos Bagdatis. Um, and also, an interesting part of this story is the the fact that Kyrios is not Austra is not an ethnic Australian. Kyrios is an ethnic Greek. Kyrios is a Greek name. I'm going to look that up now. Let's see if it's got that on his Wikipedia page. Um, yeah, um, his father is of Greek origin. Uh, so there you go. Kyrgios was born in Australia, in Canberra, but he's got a uh, heritage that goes back to Greece. So it's kind of, you got two guys of Greek ancestry that are of different races that are clashing in this match in a way that's kind of gone past tennis. It does encompass the tennis about how both of those guys go about playing the game. But Sitsipas' comments have elevated this from a purely tennis story to a culture, social issues, race uh, story. So that is why I'm addressing it here. And at this point, we went through the content cycle afterwards, directly after the match in July of 2022. We are watching it again here across multiple episodes of the Breakpoint show. I've just spent a whole bunch of time reading stuff out and a couple of minutes giving my opinion here. There's one more thing to read. Uh, Kyrgios tweeted this um, this morning. On June 24th, 2023, Kyrgios tweeted... It was a very heated battle, prayer emoji. Sometimes as players, we go into these press conferences without digesting the match. We've had some crazy battles, and I know deep down you like my brand of tennis. Eyes emoji, shrug emoji. We are all good. At Steph Sitsipas. Kind of interesting to me. Kyrgios is trying to take control of that situation by putting words in Sitsipas' mouth. Like... Oh, I, I, I'm going to say that he didn't digest the match. I'm going to say that he was wrong when he made those comments in that press conference. 
And also, I know deep down you like my brand of tennis. That's Kyrio saying that about somebody else. So, are they all good? I don't know. It's like a, it's like mind games. Who has the supremacy here? Who is in control of the situation? Uh, kind of interesting because people go through that in your in their personal lives or in a relationship with a friend or in a relationship with a boyfriend, girlfriend, that kind of relationship, romantic relationship. So it's kind of interesting to apply that sort of lifestyle situation to this situation. And we'll have to uh, watch it going forward. Um, and uh, But like I was just saying a minute ago, I've spoken at length about this now. I mean, we're 20 minutes, or no, we're, tw we're 25 minutes into this episode here, and I've spent the whole time kind of making my extemp extemporaneous comments about this situation. And unless they meet in the future... Which, can you imagine if the first or first round, or if they're both going to be seated, can you imagine if they played in the third round again this year? It won't happen, because Kyrgios is not going to do anything this year, because he's hurt. He's going to lose in the first round, and if he, uh, if he won a match at Wimbledon this year, Nick Kyrgios, I would be very surprised. I would not expect that to happen. I think it is now over. Um, and we can go into discussing other subjects. So let me get a little swig of water here, and then we will do just that. Welcome to Center Court. The lines have been marked out. It's pristine. Okay, in the actual TV show that we're watching now, it is finals weekend. And I don't think I properly introduced the show, so let's put that in now. Hi everyone, welcome to Trips Tennis Talk, the amateur podcast about professional tennis. Thanks for finding the pod today. Thanks for listening, thanks for downloading, and hopefully listening this far. Today's episode is going to be a commentary track on the seventh episode of the Netflix docuseries Breakpoint. The docuseries uh, is currently covering the 2022 ATP and WTA Tours. Episodes 6 through 10 dropped just a couple of days ago, and they cover uh, the second half of the 2022 season. Episode 6 um, covered Wimbledon 2022, and episode 7 here is doing the same thing. It's kind of a two-part deal here. Um, you can go back in the uh, Trips Tennis Talk uh, archive feed, go check out the commentary tracks on the previous six episodes. If you don't have Netflix, this is kind of a nice kind of on the DL way to get uh, an experience of at least listening to the show, even if you don't have the video. Today's commentary track is for episode 7, Saints and Sinners. The stars seem to align for Anz Jabor as she rides her early season momentum into Wimbledon, where Kyrgios aims for his first Grand Slam singles title. Now we have 
Jabor and Rubakana walking out onto the court for their 2022 final. And now we're at the women's final. Anz Jabor of Tunisia versus Elena Rubakana of Kazakhstan. Let's find out what happens. The grass is all brown from the two weeks of having played on it. Uh, Jabor hits the backhand return but cannot return it. It's an unreturnable. Rabakana wins that first game. I could see that she's also nervous. Grand Slam final, both uh, competitors understandably would be nervous. Jabor goes up 2 1. Jabor hits a nice short, uh, slice that lands short in the court, and Rabakana can't deal with it. Jabor goes up 4 2. Rabakana has an open court volley that she duffs into the net. Jabor goes up 5 3. Jabor has a set point. Rabakana cannot handle it into the net. Anz Jabor wins that first set 6-3. She is one set away from a Grand Slam title, as she just said there. At the time, the Rabakana win was definitely a fluky result. But I have to say, in the year since... Rabakana has definitely established herself as a player at the top of the game, so I think that recontextualizes this match here. Our thoughts at the time, which were centered around the notion of Jabor blowing this match to this kind of random player, in retrospect, that take was not correct. And if you go back and listen to early episodes of this podcast from August of 2022... Um, in the kind of daily results pods that from back then, from the Canada and Cincinnati, Rabakana was backing up that initial stereotype or initial uh, classification of being a fluky one-tournament player. But in 2023, that has absolutely not been the case. She's one of the best players in the world, even if she has not... Uh, won another Grand Slam just yet. We'll see if she can defend her Wimbledon title. Tammy, I still think she's going to be a one-slam wonder. That's what I said. At the moment, my claim is still correct. Crowd rallying behind Jabor here as she begins to struggle. There was also the whole angle of a player from Russia winning the tournament when the officially Russian and Belarusian players had been banned. I wonder what Wimbledon is going to do with the recent events of the last couple of days that have happened in Russia with the Belarusian president essentially negotiating a deal for Putin to stay in power. It's days before the draw is made so I don't think the All England Club can change their eligibility rules but those press conferences with Sabalenka are going to be real interesting huh and Azarenka and Medvedev and all this Russia-Ukraine uh, 
Let me say it this way. Okay, we got match point. Okay. Yes, Rabakana is the winner. Jabor. Not very happy. Rabakana didn't have any reaction to winning either. <laughs> That was Jabor's shot. She hasn't been the same since that match. She hasn't made any deep runs or anything. But yeah, it's going to be interesting with the Russia-Ukraine conflict back at the top of the headlines in the American news media. All the players are going to be uh, asked about that at the press conference for the whole two weeks. So... Hopefully they're meeting with their media teams and getting their responses down for the questions when they are asked them. Now we're seeing Jabor getting consoled in the players area after the final. This is experience for you, she is told, and our big objective is next year. Yes, you're right. That's it. What you're doing is historical. Keep working like this. Good job. Be positive. Good job. How do we learn? We learn so much from our mistakes. Good job. Just smile. I wonder how receptive Jabor is to that message. She's not doing any of the talking there. All the guys around her are doing the talking. Smash cut to wide shot of Wimbledon or of London. Yep, now we're back to the curious part of this. He did play the rest of the tournament after the Sits Pass match. It's not particularly particularly notable. He beat a couple of sort of randomish guys on his way. I think they were covering it while I was reading off all that stuff. But just to uh, read it out here, he beat Sits Pass in the third round. Then in the fourth round, Kyrgios beat. Uh, Nakashima Welcome to in five Sports. sets. Four six, six four, seven six, three six, six two. I believe that's the match where Kyrios claimed and pressed that he threw the fourth set intentionally. Kind of disrespectful to Nakashima. And in the quarters, Kyrios beat Christian Guerin six four, six three, seven six. He was slated to play Nadal in the semis, but Nadal pulled out with uh, um, the injury that plagues him to this day. So Kyrgios had to walk over into the semis, and now he's taken on Djokovic. Kyrgios won the first set here, so he was two sets away from winning a Grand Slam against Djokovic. Alright, so now Kyrgios and Djokovic are backstage here. 
Nice crowd reaction for Kyrgios. And the whole concept of a guy like Kyrgios and what he represents coming out for the Wimbledon final and what the Wimbledon final represents. It's the ultimate establishment uh, contest or occasion um, which involves one of the most anti-establishment guys, at least uh, in terms of style. Kyrgios gets that volley. His dad's doing that weird thing with the fingers in his mouth again. Like, I'm, is that a way to whistle? If I do it here into the microphone, I'm just going to end up kind of blowing into my fingers. <laughs> yeah, I can't do it. Djokovic double faults. Djokovic shoots a look over somebody. Kyrgios jogs over to the cha changeover. Yeah, one thing the show does well is using the facial expressions of the players to telegraph which way the match is going. When people see Djokovic looking pissed off, they know what's happening. When people uh, see Kyrgios doing his act and running to the chair and doing little dances, they know how he's feeling. So they use the facial expressions to tell the story of the score to people that uh, are not as familiar with the scoring system. Djokovic starting to turn the tables. He's so mentally in tune with everything. So people have been saying recently that the only guy that could beat uh, Kyrgios, uh, sorry, the only guy that could beat Djokovic at Wimbledon this year is Kyrgios, but simultaneously, Kyrgios is not going to win a match at this year's Wimbledon, I don't think, because he's not fit to play. So, why are people saying that? They, the, the, I think they mean, they mean uh, if, they, if they both play at their best, or the best version of Kyrgios could challenge Djokovic. But that's what we're seeing here. This was the best version of Kyrgios, and he only won a single set. So maybe the social media narrative of uh, amping, Kyr of hyping up Kyrgios in this uh, context, maybe they're doing it just for the sake of doing it. Kyrio says, this is a fucking joke. Oh yeah, that woman that got sued, or the woman that sued Wimbledon. I forget which, which, which it was, but I remember that getting mentioned on the broadcast and afterwards, after the tournament as well. I think that lady was just looking for uh, 15 minutes of fame. But yeah. So I think the conclusion is the best version of Kyrgios can't legitimately challenge Djokovic on grass. So I think the people that make that point on social media, they're wrong. And they know they're wrong. They're just doing it to get 
social media attraction. That's my theory. Curios pulled out of Mallorca this morning, so in the three weeks leading up to Wimbledon 2023, he skipped the... F he played the first week, right? He uh, played the first week, lost in the first round, did not look fit to play, didn't play week two, did not play week three. So, and that was his only match of 2023 to date. So, my hopes are not exactly high. Just to be blunt, my hopes are very low. And uh, I would expect him to lose in three sets in about a week's time from when we're taping this. Novak Djokovic is your 2023 Wimbledon winner. Or sorry, 2022 Wimbledon winner over Mr. Kyrgios. Obviously very disappointed. Likely his peak on a tennis court, Kyrgios. It'll be hard for him to get back to another one. He could, and he has several years yet to do it. Big crowd. There's Sue Barker there as well, doing the interview. She retired after that, I believe. He almost won Wimbledon. Nick, you showed why you deserve to be one of the best players in the world. I wish you all the best, man. I really... I never thought I'm going to say so many nice things about you, considering... Oh, yeah. They had the whole vaccine uh, mix-up or disagreement. Obviously, Djokovic is uh, anti-vax, and Kyrgios is very pro-vax. Kyrgios was calling Djokovic selfish, basically, if I remember that right. I don't have any of that stuff queued up, and I don't really want to discuss that right now, so I'm not going to. Yeah, I felt like I belonged there. Kyrgios says he feels like he belongs. All right. One week later. Oh, yeah, we got to finish out this story. Oh, in Tunisia. Okay. I thought they were going to do uh, the DV thing. Okay. It was tougher to accept it at the time, but I had to accept that I had to lose that final to maybe have something greater after. Yeah, that's a good message. Are you ready? Here she is, our Tunisian champion, Anz Jabor. Looks like she's in Tunisia at some kind of parade thing. Tunisian people, but people came from Big turnout. God bless you, she tells the crowd. The love I received from the Tunisian people is more important than any title in the world. God bless you all. Seeing so many people cheering for you. For a moment, I felt like a winner. Yeah, that's good. That's a good sentiment to have. Feeling like a winner in that moment. Let's welcome the Tunisian Minister of Happiness, Ons Jabor. Now we fade to black.
Yeah. Coming up on the next episode, looks like we're moving into the U.S. Open time frame. We got shots of Fritz here. We got Serena. Yeah, Serena's final tournament. That's right. Tomlanovic was uh, involved in that. That should be pretty interesting. You're going to be part of history no matter what. <laughs> has the crowd in the palm of her hand. Oh yeah. Listen to this place. Nobody wants me to win. I'm playing the greatest of all time. Yeah, absolutely like insane. Here. Absolutely insane. Yeah. So that was uh, episode seven, right? Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. This show, I don't know, man. This show, what's the point of it? Why? I'm just, I'm just, this, I'm lukewarm on this show. This is a seven. This might have been the worst episode so far, actually. This might be a six. I just, what, what's the point? I'm go six. This is a six out of ten. I'm getting a little tired of it, to be honest with you. Just to be, just to be blunt, it's not my favorite show. I spent half the show talking about the the uh, Curio sits pass thing, and I didn't really miss anything. I don't think. But um, yeah, that's episode seven. Not giving up though. I'm committed to this bit now, so we'll try it again for episode 8. Thanks for listening to the show today, and we'll uh, do it again next time. Bye!